energy. How does anybody live and drive in Boston every single day? This guy stopped in the middle of the road with his hazard lights on. This guy won't yield. That guy won't let you go. That guy passes in front of you. That guy goes three lanes of traffic all in one shot. How does anybody do this? The passion. Look, if the Red Sox aren't going to play Yoshida Endeavors as they're about to get swept, then we might as well just give up and go home. The opinions on all your favorite teams. I'm glad that Mac Jones looks better. That's really important. He needs to look better. But if it were a video game, he'd still have an overall rating of 76, and that ain't cutting it. This is the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. What's up, everybody? Brady Farkas Show on a, for me at least, pre-vacation Friday on wdev AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. We're brought to you by Fecto Homes, your total home solution in Montpelier. We go up until 610, and at that point, it's Red Sox baseball. Sox taking on the Oakland Athletics. Final series of the All- or until the All-Star break. Sox coming in here, winning a couple games in a row against the Rangers after sweeping the Toronto Blue Jays. They've won five of six. Need to keep it going here against the worst team in baseball in Oakland, but we've seen the Red Sox be... Up or down all year, so hopefully this isn't one of their down times and they can go into the All-Star break on a high note. You can get in on the Ayer Auto text line, 802-585-3026. That is the Ayer Auto text line located at North Main Street in Barrie. They do sales. They help in the collisions department. They go above and beyond for their customers. How do I know? Because I've seen it firsthand. I've been down there. I've watched the operation. I've shaken hands with the people in the shop, and they really are there to take care of you. And once you're in the family, it sounds cliche, but you are in the family. I saw that firsthand, too. Again, Red Sox baseball tonight. First pitch, 7-10. Our pregame coverage begins at 6-10. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. And here we go. The opening thoughts of the Brady Farkas Show are brought to you by Six and Stuff and Swanton Lumber, Vermont's most complete locally owned home center. With locations in Enosburg, Derby, Middlesex, St. Albans, and at Swanton Lumber, they're online at sixandstuff.com. And also, the new building going to be opening up soon in Rouse's Point. I have, I can't say never, but I cannot remember a time where I have been more uncomfortable than I've been in the last 18 hours or so. Last night and today, the last 90 minutes, together, make up one of the most uncomfortable periods in my life. Last night, I played men's league hoops, had a Thursday night game. After the show ended, I went over to Essex High School. I love playing in this league. I love playing in this gym. It was, I believe to me, the second hottest gym I've ever been in. And everybody remembers the hottest gym they've ever been in. Whether it was you played in it or your kids have been in it, you remember where you were, where you were in the hottest, most uncomfortable gym. Chances are it was when you were a kid, you were playing in some kind of summer league or some summer camp, and you still tell the story today. Another oh, never been as hot as that high school back in 1984. Like this high school, Essex High School last night, second hottest gym I've ever been in. That men's league game, by the end of it, almost everybody was walking up the court. And it was essentially one on one in parts of the game because nobody had the energy to move up and down the court. I don't consider myself to be in great shape anymore, but even people who I think are in good shape were essentially walking up and down the court last night. I mean, it was oppressively hot. 
And I don't know what gyms can do about ventilation, and I don't know what gyms can do about big fans and all that. I don't know that there's any way to avoid this. It was just, it was so unbelievably uncomfortable. Hottest gym I've ever been in my life, Water Valide High School in New York. I was a sophomore going into junior year. Or maybe I was a freshman going in. I think that's it. I was a freshman going into sophomore year. I was put up on the Summer League Varsity Hoops team. We played Summer League Hoops at Waterville High School. It had to have been 90 outside. It had to have been 190 inside. I mean, that was the most impressive. George Mardigan Court. I will never forget it. It had to have been the most oppressively hot place I've ever been in. Yesterday, close though. And yesterday, you know, I'm... 20 years older almost than I was then, a little more out of shape. It probably felt hotter to me yesterday than it did 20 years ago. That was absurd last night. And you couple that today. I hope you're watching on the video stream. Okay, Go to Facebook Live. Go to my Twitter account. Pull up the video stream. You will see beads of sweat rolling down my face right now. I have, at this point, I have my sleeves rolled up. Like, I'm a European soccer player. I have beads of sweat coming down my hair, coming down my face. The WDEV studio, like, or the WDEV office has air conditioning. Good air conditioning. The WDEV studio, I don't know what has happened, but I am sweating my tail off. And I don't know what jobs you all work in. Maybe some of you are in this kind of small, confined space like I am. But there is sweat pouring down my face in the studio right now. Last 18 hours have marked some of the most uncomfortable periods in my life. Again, I've been outside when it's really hot, right? I played golf in 103 degree weather in California. No humidity, a little different. I've played baseball in humidity my entire life. I've been uncomfortable before. Last night's gym and today's studio are right up there. Texter says on the Auto text line, the South Burlington High School gym is the hottest gym ever, especially when you are playing a band concert. 200-plus people packed into a high school gym. I can imagine that, especially in a band concert. Everybody's generally dressed up. People are right next to each other. And you have to be, you know, you're wearing pants and a collared shirt if you're a guy or pants and a tie. like that. Yeah, that's uncomfortable. I can imagine that. Tex says... Yeah, well, okay. Texter wants me to acknowledge the troops that do way more than me in the heat. Yes, that's very true. I thank our troops and love them and everything that they have done. So, um, there you go. Now I can't complain about the heat anymore. 536 here on DEV. Again, 610 is the Red Sox game here. Speaking of the Red Sox, Alex Verdugo has a point, but he took his point too far. Alex Verdugo has a point, but he took his point too far. Alex Verdugo came out and said, and I'm paraphrasing here, he came out and told Julian McWilliams of the Boston Globe that he's upset that he's not an all-star. He's upset he's not an all-star. He wanted to be an all-star. He feels he's done enough to be an all-star. I, I can live with that. I may not agree, but I can live with that. Where Alex Verdugo went too far was he said, the All-Star Game is essentially a popularity contest, and the guy who got in doesn't deserve to be there. Now, Alex Verdugo didn't tell us exactly who he thinks doesn't deserve to be there, but for me, it's fairly obvious. It's one of two people. I'll get to that in a second. 
I don't mind Alex Verdugo being disappointed he's not an all-star. I don't, right? He wasn't voted in by the fans. Disappointing, right? Red Sox fans typically show out for the all-star voting. Verdugo didn't get there. Okay. He wasn't put on the team as a reserve. Okay, I can see his disappointment there too. And he wasn't named as an alternate for an injury, right? He wasn't named as an injury replacement. We have all the injury replacements here, and Verdugo's not one of those either. So Alex Verdugo had a goal, thought he had played well, thought he had a chance to achieve that goal, and was denied that goal. I can get him being disappointed. Where you go too far is when you start saying things like, the All-Star Game is a popularity contest, and the guy who got in doesn't deserve to be there. Alex Verdugo does not need to name names. Even though he didn't officially name names, all I hear about is how Major League Baseball is a brotherhood and Major League Baseball is a fraternity. Alex Verdugo should not be taking shots at other people who are named All-Stars as far as I'm concerned. Alex Verdugo has had a good year. I don't think Alex Verdugo has had such a good year he can start disparaging what other people have done. Right? If Verdugo's disappointed he's not an All-Star, I can live with that. I like a guy who has high goals. I like a guy who has individual goals. If Verdugo thinks he played well enough to be an all-star, he's entitled to his opinion. He's not way wrong, but he takes it too far when he starts throwing stones from glass houses because Verdugo's year is not so exponentially better than anyone else who is picked. Okay, look, let's look. Number one, let's acknowledge this. Okay, the all-star game starters are a popularity contest. It's always been that way. Didn't one year we have like five or six Kansas City Royals starting in the All-Star game? Didn't one year we have a bunch of Blue Jays starting in the All-Star game? The All-Star game starters has always been a popularity contest. So that's definitely true. Fans want to see the stars. Fans want to show out for their guys. And fans will come out in droves potentially and rig the system. So yes, it's a popularity contest to a degree with the starters. Aaron Judge, yes, he's been hurt. He was voted as a starter. He's hitting 290. He's got 19 homers. He deserved it. Mike Trout wasn't having as good a year. That's where the popularity contest come in comes in. Now Trout's hurt, but he was he was he had gotten hot since being given the spot. Randy Arozarena's having an excellent year. So those guys all deserve to start, as far as I'm concerned, either by combination of popularity, fan vote, and or their stats. Now let's look at the reserves. Okay. Luis Robert of the White Sox deserves it. He's got more than 20 home runs, and he's on the White Sox. Every team gets a, gets an all-star. Robert is theirs. He deserves it. Case closed. Adolis Garcia is near the top of the league in RBIs. He's almost got 70 RBIs right now. Okay? He deserves it. No questions asked. So that's five all-stars, as far as I'm concerned, in the outfield who deserve it. So who exactly is Verdugo thinking he's having a better year then? Let me tell you. Verdugo's stats right now. Okay, Alex Verdugo is having a good year. He's been a good catalyst at the top of the lineup. He's making more contact. He's got a bunch of doubles. He's playing a pretty good right field. I'm not here to say Alex Verdugo stinks, but his numbers are this. He's hitting 284. He's got six homers. He's got 35 RBIs, and he's got a 355 on base percentage. Okay, He's got a fairly good batting average, fairly good OBP. Doesn't hit for any power, isn't a massive run producer, isn't a massive speed guy, and I get it, he's at the top of the order, he's not necessarily going to hit for a ton of power or bring in a ton of runs, but I think of guys who hit at the top of the order and I think, oh, like Ronald Acuna Jr., who's having maybe the best year in baseball history. I think of a guy like Trout, who's hit at the top of the order, and I don't get that same vibe from Verdugo. So, could he have maybe been that sixth all-star? Yeah, maybe. 
but I don't think he's having a better year than any of the five guys that I just mentioned. Okay, Kyle Tucker got put on the team as an injury replacement. He's hitting. He's got 15 homers. He's got a bunch of RBIs. He's on the world champions. He's hitting. Got a high average too, which I believe is higher than Verdugo's. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he might be hitting like 290. Verdugo's hitting 284. So Tucker is having a better year than Verdugo. So there's only two choices left at this point. Verdugo has called out somebody and said the guy who got in doesn't deserve to be there. Who's he talking about? He's talking about either Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners or Austin Hayes of the Orioles. Okay, and let me go through this. Julio Rodriguez is having a better year than Alex Verdugo. Julio Rodriguez is not having as good a year as we want him to. He's not having as good a year as face of baseball status like we want him to claim. He's not having as good a year as he did a year ago when he was the rookie of the year. But all told, he's having a better year than Verdugo. Okay, Verdugo's hitting 284. Julio's hitting 251. Verdugo clearly better. Julio's got 13 home runs. Verdugo's got six. Okay, in a down year, Julio's got more than double the homers of Verdugo. Julio's got 47 RBIs hitting in the middle, hitting at the beginning of the order a lot of this year. Verdugo's got 35. Julio's got 20 stolen bases. Verdugo's got oh two. Slugging percentage, Verdugo. Uh, let me see. Slugging percentage, Verdugo's better, but Julio's got three less hits. I I would say Julio is having as good or better a year than Verdugo. Is much better power, much better speed. He's also a very good defender. And yes, Verdugo says it's a popularity contest. Yeah, maybe. The game's in Seattle. The league would like Julio to be there. I get that, but it's not like Julio's hitting 194. So now I'm off, I'm I think Julio's having a better year than Verdugo. Now let's go to Austin Hayes. This is the one where Verdugo might have a shot. Okay? Austin Hayes plays for the Orioles. He's got 87 hits this year. Verdugo has 91. Austin Hayes has eight home runs. Verdugo has six. Austin Hayes is hitting 312, which is a high batting average, but he's only got 34 RBIs. He also only has two steals. He was chosen to the game, not Verdugo. That I, I would hope that that's the guy Verdugo's calling out. I don't like him calling out anybody, but I would hope that's the guy he's calling out because that's the only guy who he's, got a, who he's got a reasonable shot against, I think. Hayes has a better average. Hayes has less RBIs. Hayes has only two more homers. Hayes has less hits. Maybe it's because Hayes is on a better story on the ball and you know on the Orioles. But I don't mind Verdugo being bothered that he's not in. I do have him bothered with calling out. I do have a problem with him calling out his brethren, especially considering I don't think he has a case in everybody. He's everybody who's in the game as an outfielder, with the exception of Hayes. Hayes is the only one. I could make a case that Verdugo's having a better year than Austin Hayes, but that is it. Verdugo wouldn't say who he's talking about. He wouldn't say who he's talking about. I think the only guy he could be talking about is Hayes. Maybe Julio, but Julio I still think is better. 802-585-3026. Ross says, Verdugo got benched for performance like a month ago, if I'm not wrong. He did. That doesn't mean you can't be an all-star, right? He got benched for a game or two. That doesn't mean you can't be an all-star. You play 90 games in the first half of the season. I'm not going to disparage you for two. Wander Franco got benched for being an awful teammate in Tampa, and he got named to the all-star game. Peter and Williston says Hayes is having a better year than Verdugo. That's the only one, but... 
You can have that opinion. I'm just saying that's the only guy that I think Verdugo has a reasonable case against. Right? Hayes has a better average, but I think he's got a worse on-base percentage. Verdugo, I think, is 355. Hayes is 352. Hayes barely has more homers. Hayes has less RBIs. I, I just... If Verdugo wanted to express disappointment about not being an all-star only, then I'm okay. I would understand. Verdugo wants to throw stones and say that guy doesn't deserve to be there. Everybody deserves to be there. Everybody deserves to be there more than him with the exception of Hayes. And Hayes and him are so even, I don't even think it's fair for you to say, hey, I'm having a much better year than that guy. Because you're not. You're having a fairly equal year to that guy. You have a little less power than he does. You have more RBIs. You have a little more hits. You have a little more OBP. He's got a better average. It's a fairly equal footing here. Right now it is, uh, we got tennis on the TV here in the uh, in the studio. Novak Djokovic just beat Stan Wawrinka, and he's moving on to the next round at Wimbledon for everybody who cares about tennis. But it gets very distracting here. In the studio, Jack says Verdugo was snubbed. He goes, he's slumping. Look at the numbers when the reserves were announced. He was hitting 300, leading the league in doubles, and leading the American League outfielders in hits. He was snubbed. I, You know, that that's, could be fair. I'm not going to tell the texture he's wrong. I don't have the numbers in front of me from the exact point the reserves were announced, but the reserves were only announced like a week ago. So, I mean, the numbers haven't changed that much. Hayes is still largely the same player he was a week ago. Verdugo is still largely the same player he was a week ago. Even if a guy got a little bit hot or a little bit slumping, they're largely the same. Kyle Tucker deserves to be there more. Luis Robert deserves to be there more. Adolis Garcia more. Aaron Judge more. Mike Trout more. Randy Rosarena more. Julio more. Hayes, maybe. But it's not it's not egregious enough for uh, for Verdugo to be calling people out like that. All right, a lot of Patriots talk here in the next couple of minutes. Bill Belichick, should he be on the hot seat? I've given my opinion on this like 100 times, but now the media is coming out with their takes. Is Bill Belichick on the hot seat in 2023? We'll talk about it a little bit more next on DEV. Do you... Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. Welcome back in, Brady Farkas Show. right here on WDEV AM and FM and WDEVradio.com. Red Sox baseball comes up less than 20 minutes from now. We are brought to you by Fecto Homes, your total home solution in Montpelier. AR Auto text line is open, 802-585-3026. I'm going to be on vacation next week. I'm going to come back on July 17th, and we're going to be close to ready for Patriots training camp, right? So I've tried to avoid inundating us with football here in the offseason because I know even I get tired of football a little bit. But when I come back, it's going to be time to start really ramping it up into football. For some reason, yesterday on ESPN, they were talking about the Patriots at nauseum. So there's a lot of stuff happening with the Pats all over ESPN's network. Andrew Hawkins, former Patriots wide receiver, a little bit, mainly with the Bengals and Browns, he was talking about Bill Belichick and said Bill Belichick deserves to be on the hot seat. There have been decisions that clearly show that he has showed incompetence as a head coach, namely the appointing of Matt Patricia as an offensive coordinator for a young quarterback who needed development. You know, obviously they've rectified that. Obviously they've made a decision, but it was a decision that 
even the most simple of football minds understood probably wouldn't work out. And so to watch that play out in real time, I think that was probably the biggest smoking gun. And now they're in a division with all the talent in the world. You can argue that they are the backseat of the four-team division in the AFC East. At some point, this craft say, hey, you know, hey, it's time to gracefully bow out. Yeah, the Patriots are right now, I would say, bringing up the rear in the AFC East. I don't think they're egregiously bad, though. I've said I think they are the worst team in the division. I think they're in the 10-11 spot in the AFC. I don't think they're massively worse than the Jets. I don't think they're massively worse than the Dolphins, but I could see a scenario where they certainly finish last. I could also see a scenario where they finish second, but it would take a lot of things to happen. I think they're clearly a notch behind Buffalo. So the question about Bill Belichick being on the hot seat to me is very, very simple. Bill Belichick has free reign this season in 2023. Okay, he has free reign in 2023. He's got a new offensive coordinator in Bill O'Brien. He's got a guy who in Bill O'Brien who Robert Kraft believes in. He's still got Mac Jones. Kind of everybody this year has a reacclimation process, as far as I'm concerned. Bill Belichick has a perfect. He, he, he's no chance of getting fired this year. However, if the Patriots are bad, then he becomes on the hot seat going into 2024. That, 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 to me, is the simple answer to this question. Bill Belichick is fine this year. 3-14, 14-3, Bill Belichick does not get canned in 2023. He does not get canned after the season in 2023. This is a reacclimation year. Everybody's relearning everything. Everybody's back. There's a grace period here now. Bill Belichick has bought himself some time. He's done what Robert Kraft wants. He's kept Mac Jones. He's got Bill O'Brien. He's made Robert Kraft happy. Now everybody gets a year to see how they go. And then when we go into 2024, then there are real expectations again. I think right now the expectations are, hey, let's look better than last year. And if we are looking better than last year, then we have a chance to be in the playoffs. If the Patriots get to the playoffs this year, I think Robert Kraft is going to be happy-ish. Certainly happy enough to bring Bill Belichick back for 2024, no questions asked. If the Patriots win a playoff game this year, I think Robert Kraft is thrilled. If the Patriots are bad this year, Bill Belichick goes into the 2024 season certainly on the hot seat. And if the Patriots are bad in 2024, then I think Bill Belichick gets fired. I do. I think Bill Belichick has a guaranteed 2023 season. I guarantee you he starts 2024. And I think he makes it through to 2024. But if 2024 is not good, I think Bill Belichick gets fired. And if Bill Belichick hasn't gotten the Don Shula record by that point, then so be it. Bill, Robert Kraft wants Bill Belichick to break the record. Okay, he wants Robert. He wants Bill Belichick to break the record. He wants him to break it in Foxborough. He wants to break it here. He doesn't want to fire him before it. But Robert Kraft also wants to win. And Robert Kraft is in his 80s. And Robert Kraft is out to appease himself and his own goals more than Bill Belichick's goals. So if Robert Kraft, if the Patriots get nine wins this year and make the playoffs but lose in the first round, Robert Kraft says, okay, you got 2024. And if in 2024 they win nine games again and don't make the playoffs or lose in the first round, then I think Bill Belichick's out. I don't think Bill Belichick just gets carte blanche for life because of all the success he's brought. Robert Kraft is in his mid-80s. Robert Kraft wants to win. He's not out, I think, keeping Bill Belichick so Bill Belichick can chase a record. 
at the expense of his own desires to win. If Robert Kraft were 55, it might be different. He might say, okay, we'll give Bill a couple games extra here so we can get the record. We can have that and we can do this and all that and all. Okay. But right now, it's I, I don't believe that that Robert Kraft is willing to do Bill Belichick favors. I'm looking right now. Okay. Bill Belichick is 18 wins away. Yeah, Bill Belichick is 18 wins away from Don Shula, okay? Including the playoffs. The regular season win list, he is 30 wins away. But 18 when you include the playoffs. I mean, 9 and 9 would tie the record, right? 9 wins here, 9 wins there would tie the record. 10 wins and 9 would get him. So he's got a chance to break it no matter what. But if it's if he hasn't done it by the end of 2024, I don't think Robert Kraft is just blindly keeping him around. Texter says, I've thought about this maybe way too much. Is there any way you could see the reason Patricia and Judge were named co-offensive coordinators because there was an agreement that O'Brien could leave the Patri- leave for the Patriots in 2023, not any sooner, and that's what happened. No, I think Bill Belichick just tried to outsmart the room. In 2023, I think Bill Belichick tried to outsmart the room, and I think Bill Belichick was too loyal to his friends. That's what I, that's what I really think. I think Josh McDaniels left, and Bill Belichick doesn't trust a lot of people. He trusts Joe Judge and Matt Patricia, and he said, look, I've worked with these guys. I've won with these guys. I believe I can mold these guys, and these guys owe me, so they're going to do what I say, and I think this is a situation where I can do well, where I'm not going to get a lot of pushback, where I have guys who I trust. That's what I think. I think Bill Belichick saw Josh McDaniels leave and tried to figure out, okay, how can I get a guy I trust in here? He's like, well, I can't just get one guy in here. Let me get both guys in here. I firmly believe that. I've thought that from day one. Bill Belichick doesn't trust enough people. Even now, Bill O'Brien is a guy that he trusts. Right? He didn't go outside for the sexy hire. He didn't go for the new hire. He went for an old retread who's a guy who he's worked with. Bill Belichick has a small inner circle, and as you get older, I can imagine that's how life is. You have relationships. You like to keep going to the well. And you go to the well over and over and over again. Belichick did it last year, and Belichick is doing it this year. Will in Plattsburgh says, has Belichick hooked his wagon too much to Mac Jones? Uh, I don't think Belichick's hooking his wagon to Mac Jones. I think the Patriot, I think Bill Belichick would move on from Mac Jones if he could. Like, if he was able to. If he could... Make a big trade and get somebody better? I think he could. I think he would. But this year, he couldn't really. Right? He couldn't go and get the Aaron Rodgers deal done. There's nobody really better out there that was easy to get. If they could have easily done something in the draft, that's why you heard so much talk about maybe the Patriots moving on from Mac in the draft. I'll keep going with that one after the break. Now it's back to the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV-AM, FM, and WDEVradio.com. We'll get you the Red Sox lineups momentarily. I'm thinking more about Will and Plattsburgh's question. Has Bill Belichick hooked his wagon too much to Mac Jones? That answer is no. Now, you can say Bill Belichick made a mistake drafting Mac Jones, but I don't think that Bill Belichick now has hooked his wagon too much to Mac Jones, right? So let me explain the difference. I thought the Patriots should have drafted Justin Fields, right? After the Cam Newton thing, they needed to draft a quarterback. They had pick 13 in the draft. I wanted them to draft Justin Fields. They didn't. 
they they had a chance. Now, Fields got taken before Mac. They had a chance to trade up to get Fields. I wanted them to do that. I think that would have been better for them. So we could argue that the Mac Jones pick was a mistake. As where we are now, I don't think that Bill Belichick like I think Bill Belichick would move on from Mac Jones. There's just no real huge upgrade that's out there right now. Like after 2021, they didn't need to move on from Mac Jones. They got to the playoffs, things were on an upswing. 2022, I think Bill Belichick became disenfranchised with Mac Jones. Mac Jones went behind his back, talked to the Alabama coaching staff. Bill didn't like that. I think Bill Belichick would move on from Mac Jones if he could. But Patriots were never going to make the trade for Aaron Rodgers, so he was out. The Derek Carr deal, four years, $150 million. Is Derek Carr that much better than a minimum salary Mac Jones? The answer is no. Jimmy Garoppolo, three years, $73 million. Is he $70 million better than Mac Jones? No. Taylor Heineke, Andy Dalton, Jared Stidham, these guys all got $10 million total or more. All 10 times what Mac's making. Mac's just as good or better than all of those guys. Jacoby Brissett, Case Keenum, Marcus Mariota. Like, who is there to move on to? So you can say they made a mistake drafting him maybe, but after that, like, there weren't many moves on the board this year unless you were going to draft a quarterback and trade up for one in the first round, which you could say they could should have done that, but they didn't. So I don't know that they've so much hooked their wagon to Mac Jones as if there's just not an easy way out because there's not an easy way to upgrade. That's what I would say. Uh, Red Sox are taking on the Oakland A's. The Oakland A's are, they are the worst team in baseball. They are 25 and 64. And it's really quite sad to see what the A's have become because the A's are a team that has historically been good, right? Several championships since they've been in Oakland. A team that of the 2000s has been in the playoffs several times. And it's just become incredibly sad to watch what they've become. Now, I hope the Red Sox capitalize on it. I hope the Red Sox take all three games here. It doesn't make it any less sad for me. I hate seeing baseball played like this. The A's have actually played a little better recently for what it's worth. They were like 9-50 and at one point, so they've played a little bit better here over the last month or so. But it's not a pretty sight. The Red Sox should take all three. And the Red Sox need to come out and be focused because they've taken five of six from good teams in Toronto and Texas. And it would be just like the Red Sox to let their foot off the gas here and to go and drop two of three against a really bad team. It's happened all year long. Up three, down three. Up three, down three. Up five, down four. Sox cannot afford that dance here. You need to take all three against the A's. Give yourself a chance going out of the all-star break in the wild card race. You know, you've been within five. You've been within four, three. You're, you're closing in right now. You're, you're relevant at this point in the wild card race. Make High and Bloom do something to benefit you. Go and take these three. A's 25 and 64, Sox 45 and 43. Seth Long pitches for the A's in this one. He's going to be the opener. Sam Long, excuse me. Brennan Bernardino is going to open for the Red Sox. Tony Kemp's at second for Oakland. Jordan Diaz is the DH. Ryan Note is at first. Brett Rooker's their slugger. He is in left. J.J. Blide is in center. Jace Peterson's at third. Shea Longalier is the catcher. Seth Brown in right. And former Yankee Tyler Wade is the shortstop. Jaron Duran leads off in left. Justin Turner's the DH. Robbie Devers at third. Adam Duvall in center. 
Alex Verdugo in right, Kike Hernandez in second, Tristan Casas in first, Connor Wong the catcher, and Yu Chang is back. He is at the shortstop position, and he bats ninth, activated from the injured list. I am on vacation next week. I will see you on July 17th. Greg Titus will be filling in for me. I thank him for that. Have a great weekend, everybody. I'll see you on the 17th on BEV. It's time for the Mass Mutual Red Sox pregame show. Proudly.